Relationships are hard most of the time, but they seem especially hard right now. Have you received that email or text lately? Uh, have you read that comment on social media? And it just sort of make you, made you want to send a reply where you're sort of hitting those keys a bit harder than normal. Or, or maybe you couldn't even type fast enough on your keyboard screen and, and you were feeling so confident about what you were saying. You write a reply, then you rewrite, then erase several drafts of the same reply, and then you decide to start all over again from scratch. Does that sound familiar? Or do you wish that sounded familiar? Hot topics come up, then opinions get shared, arguments begin to form, and voices rise. Have you been in a disagreement online lately? I've been in a few. Let's talk about it. You don't need me to tell you this, but uh, if left unattended, relationships like everything move to a place of disorder, even chaos. If left unattended, relationships can move towards conflict rather than towards peace. It becomes a form of relational entropy. Uh, entropy is a measure of the disorder covered by the second law of thermodynamics, which states that there is a natural tendency to degenerate into disorder. And that is why cleaning a house is so tiresome. Because if left to its own, it would just get dusty and cobwebs would be everywhere and eventually things would fall apart. Relationships also entropy. They have this sort of natural tendency to degenerate into disorder. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of energy for relationships to get to a good place. But if left unattended, they move towards disorder and chaos. They move to conflict, including relationships online. So what do you do to reverse this trend and move to peace, not toward conflict? You have to put in energy to move to a place of peace in relationships. And other than relational entropy, what are the reasons that peace feels impossible at times? What is working against us in relationships online? Well, there's actually a lot working against us specifically right now. There's a whole lot of tension in the world. There are a lot of ways that you can disagree with someone. And everything right now feels like it deserves and needs an opinion, and even needs us to speak out on that opinion. I've also noticed that as the, the older that I get, the less that I end up hanging out with other people. Uh, schedules get busier, life gets busier. To see other people, you have to start to plan and schedule it. You actually have to put it on the calendar versus when you're younger, uh, you just sort of bump into people and you're like, oh, well, you're free, I'm free, well, let's just kind of hang out. And on top of that, our world seems to be more divided, but also more homogenous in different areas of the country. Both simultaneously are happening. Through different studies, we're actually seeing that voting within individual counties is starting to look more and more similar within the counties. Uh, people are surrounding themselves or are moving into counties with other people that sound like them, have opinions like them, look like them, and also vote like them. And maybe another reason peace feels impossible at times is because of this. Peace in our relationships feels out of our control. We feel that there's nothing that we can do about it. We say things like, well, if he wasn't so selfish, we could have peace. If she would stop commenting, we could have peace. If he would just change, maybe our group would be a, peace, a place of peace. And this is why I think we need a refresh on a few relationship commitments. Now, to be very clear, if you aren't a Jesus follower, these commitments are completely optional, obviously, but you don't have to be a Jesus follower to do them either that making these commitments will help your relationships with others online and in person. However, if you are a Jesus follower, these commitments really aren't optional. These are what we signed up to do and who we just signed up to be. So how do we live these out or how we don't live these out will reflect a version of Jesus in our relationships. 
And as we talked about last week, commitment number one is, I will treat every person as someone Jesus died for because they are and he did. And again, if you aren't a Jesus follower, treating people this way is something that everyone can do. You don't have to actually believe Jesus died for anyone. But what if you imagine the best version of God, whoever you can imagine, whatever that might look like, what if that version of God died for everyone? That would mean that everyone would have incredible dignity and value, which would mean you should then treat everyone with that same dignity and value. Now, Jesus followers, come on, like this is foundational to our faith. We should remember this and we should be living this out and doing this, that I will treat every person as someone Jesus died for because they are and he did. So whether you're a Jesus follower or not, changing how we see other people will change how we treat them. Uh, Seeing someone as God sees them will help us treat them better. Now, the obvious problem with relationships online is we usually can't see them. So before we move on to commitment number two today, I want to thank Buckhead Church for much of the ideas behind this series. We're going to look at some verses from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in and around the city of Rome in the first century. We looked at Romans chapter 5, verse 8 last week, but but I want to look at some verses today that are a few chapters later in Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 17. Uh, You're welcome to uh, follow along with us in the Bible app. If you don't have a Bible app, head to bible.com slash app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and if you're in our area, you can find our church. Uh, We will also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Again, uh, Paul is sort of reminding everyone about this important idea that here's what God did for you, and since he did this for you, here's the way you should treat every person. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. And we're all tempted to pay back evil with more evil. But he wrote, like, he wrote me a nasty email, and so I'll write him one back. Uh, She said that terrible thing, so I will share a terrible thing about her. That Paul reminds us not to live that way in person with people, and it also applies online as well. Because we are supposed to live in such a way that people see we are honorable. And you and I really know what that looks like. We also know what that doesn't look like as well. And then Paul gets to the verse that is really going to be our focus for today. And we're going to start really at the end of that verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Live at peace with everyone. Now, it sort of sounds like the author, Paul, is sort of living in a fantasy world. Now, before you dismiss this, let's look at who Paul is. Paul is a person who had more conflict than most of us will ever have. Uh, Before he was actually called Paul, he was called Saul. And he was born with that name, Saul, but he had a radical change happen in his life. That Saul was a passionate follower of the Jewish religion, and he persecuted anyone who was trying to rebel against Judaism, which was how the Jewish leaders saw the Jesus followers. They saw them as rebels. And so let's see if this part sounds familiar to anyone. Saul wanted to defend those he agreed with and do something against those he didn't agree with. So Saul gives murderous threats to those he didn't agree with, those following Jesus. But then Saul had this radical conversion from persecuting Jesus followers to becoming a Jesus follower. Saul turned into Paul, and Paul went from having relationships with Jewish friends who really had each other's back to now having relationships with Jesus followers who knew how Paul had treated them previously. And Paul oversaw some of their beatings and took their livelihoods away from them. And now Paul is on the Jesus follower side, and he definitely had challenges in those relationships, as you can imagine, probably more than any of us really could imagine, that Paul understood what it was like to have conflict in a relationship. He understood what it meant to have to fight for peace. 
which is why he said, if it is possible, live at peace with everyone. Now, sort of adding in that phrase can give a lot of us some comfort, right? If means, well, it may not be possible that that relationship that you have that is really challenging, that relationship that you might be dreading at the next family gathering, that relationship that, that you might be dodging or has caused you all kinds of emotional turmoil, it may not be possible to have peace in that relationship. But it might be. It might actually be possible to live at peace with them. However, to be clear, Paul does not give us any assurance that there will be peace. But Paul says, pursue peace even if there's no promise of peace in that relationship. That you can pursue peace in the relationship with that person knowing there might never be peace in the relationship. If it is possible, live at peace with everyone. Now, this doesn't mean that we sacrifice all or even any of our important convictions, especially when we encounter injustice or racism or, or other important topics. Rather, this means we try to live in a way that could keep the conversation open with the other person. And we're actually going to see that a little bit later. Because here's something that we all might need to be reminded of. We have way more in common with other people, even those we strongly disagree with. You've probably heard of the Human Genome Project. Uh, we actually referenced it about a month ago. Uh, in 1988, rather, researchers started having conversations about how, to, how they can better understand the way that we're made up as humans. Now, the first draft of the Human, first draft of the human Genome Project was developed in 2000. Uh, eventually, the project was completed in 2005. This was a massive project. The financial investment alone for this project was just less than $3 billion. Almost all of the actual sequencing of the genome was conducted through numerous universities and research centers throughout the US, the UK, France, Germany, Japan, and China. This was a worldwide collaboration, and the goal was to better understand the DNA that makes us humans. Now, these researchers walked into this extremely complicated and in-depth process, and one of the things they discovered was that the human genome was even more complex than they even knew that the human genome contains approximately 3 billion base pairs, which reside in the 23 pairs of chromosomes within the nucleus of all of our cells. So they discovered that we have a lot of opportunity for variety, but the most profound learning from these researchers, of the 3 billion bases, we share 99.9% .9 of the same genome. That means, unfortunately for you and for the people that we have demonized, the people that we have conflict with, the people we have a hard time finding peace with, we have way more in common with them than we even realize. That it doesn't matter the color of their skin, the country they're from, the way they were raised, or what their parents looked like. We have a lot more in common than we even know. And, and yes, I know that peace is not easy. But when you realize and understand how similar we are, when you understand what we do have in common, peace actually becomes even more possible than we might realize. So we have Paul, who is trying to encourage this group of people that are following a resurrected Savior, who are just trying to sort of live out their life, to, to share their life with each other. They're trying to change the world with the love of Jesus. And we have this guy, Paul, encouraging and imploring these people, if it is possible, live at peace with everyone. And now for the phrase that's right in the middle of this verse that really helps give us some more context. Verse uh, 18 again of chapter 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now we're going to spend some time on that clause because it might just change how we see our relationships online. And Paul says, as far as it depends on you. 
He says peace in the relationship is not just determined by whether he changes or if she decides to show up, uh, whether he decides to say less or she decides to speak up. Paul says, no, there's a lot that depends on you. And there's one big thing that you can control. Nothing more, nothing less. Doing what you can do. That we spend a lot of energy on him. We allow her to sort of live rent-free in our mind. But ultimately, we can't control what she does and we can't control what he does. What I can control is what I do. Just like you can control what you do. So let's talk just for a moment. What can you do? It can kind of feel a little personal to talk about what you can do because it sort of creates accountability, right? It's much easier to talk about him or to talk about her. But Paul says, as far as it depends on you. So what depends on you? It doesn't mean that you have to be silent or approve of other people's unhealthy behavior. It does mean that you can do everything you can do, which is your part to do, and that is what is required of you. So what depends on you? Well, you might want to start by saying, I own my responsibility in the relationship. Like, I'm taking account of what is determined by me. And if your relationship was sort of like a pie chart, how much of the conflict, the disagreement, the lack of peace should be given to you and to the other person? Maybe you say, well, 50% is theirs, 75% is theirs, 90% is theirs. But how much of the conflict, the disagreement, the lack of peace is yours to own? How much of this problem is in this relationship do you control? That you have to determine what part you play, what depends on you. And as far as it depends on you. And when I heard a pastor talk about this verse, I never thought about this before. But when Paul says, as far as it depends on you, it sort of implies that there's a distance that we should be willing to go. That someone will have to go a distance to make peace happen, right? And so a question for you to consider. Can you go any further? Now, I understand that maybe right now you don't even speak to this person. Maybe this is a person that you can't even be around right now, online, or in person. But is there anything more you can do? Or can you go any further? Can you take a step further in his or her direction? Because after all, as we referenced last week, this is what God through Jesus has done for each of us. So here's commitment number two. I will do all I can to keep peace with all people. Now, here's the great news. Peace is possible for you when you've done all that you can do. When you have done everything that you can do as far as it depends on you, peace is possible. It isn't just sort of a one-time thing, though, but it's sort of a continual chase after pursuing peace in the relationship. I've done everything I know to do, but if I find out there's something more to do, I'll do it. To get to peace, here's a simple illustration. Are any of you golf fans or do you enjoy playing golf? Or how about this? Have you ever played mini putt before? You've probably seen the way that professional golfers try to read their putts. They, they stand behind the ball and they try to figure out what the ball is going to do as they put it towards the hole. Is it going to move to the left or to the right? Or is it going to go slightly uphill or slightly downhill? But the golfers who seem to be the best also walk to the other side of the hole and look at the shot from the perspective of the hole towards the ball. And now why do they do this? Because sometimes when you get on the other side of the situation, you see things that you couldn't see from the first perspective. Uh, sometimes when you get on the other side, you realize it is going to do something different than you thought the first time. Now, uh, now, now I sort of understand it in a different way. And that is what empathy is. And this is a move that every one of us can make in every relationship. We can take that sometimes long walk to the other side and get in their shoes. To know a little bit more about their story. To understand where they are coming from. In difficult relationships, empathy can be the key to opening up a dialogue that leads to peace in the relationship. 
So I want to offer four steps towards empathy that I have found helpful. Step number one, take on their perspective. Would you be willing to do that? Try to understand what it is like to be him or to be her. And to do that, you really start by asking questions. Maybe they're just in your head, but possibly out loud to the other person. Where does he come from? What was her childhood like? What were his parents like? And when you understand that, you start to see the world through the lens through which they see the world. You take on their perspective. Step number two, suspend your judgment. Now that means that you're not making a determination about whether or not what they're doing is right. You're not making a determination about whether or not what they are doing is good. You're just saying, I'm going to try to understand him or her before I judge what they are doing. Step number three, recognize their emotion. Maybe they feel taken advantage of, they feel insecure or unheard. Maybe they feel misunderstood or maybe they just feel left out. Would you try to recognize that emotion? Now the last one is probably the most difficult one. Step number four, communicate that emotion. Saying something like, I recognize maybe you're feeling this way, or I can understand maybe you're experiencing this, is that right? And when you do that, it can open up dialogue in the relationship that might just allow the relationship to move to a place of peace. And if it doesn't do that, it might just move you to a place of peace. That your best chance to find peace in that difficult relationship is going to be found by choosing empathy in the relationship. You've probably already got a relationship right now that is challenging, but you can sort of understand that person. Maybe you even get along with that person. Uh, maybe you even learn to put up with all the person's faults because you understand their background. You sort of understand the context of their life. You understand where they are coming from. And if you decide to make this commitment that I will do all I can do to keep peace with all people, it's going to start by bringing a little empathy to the relationship getting on the other side, trying to understand that person and their perspective a little bit more. And the great news is that you can find peace about the relationship, even if there is not peace in the relationship. But it happens when you've done everything you can do, when you've done, gone as far as it depends on you, when you've been as empathetic as possible, when you've been on the other side to understand that person. And what you're going to do when you do that is that you're mirroring who Jesus was, who Jesus is, that Jesus is the ultimate move of empathy on God's part. That instead of a cloud, a tablet of stone, instead of a burning bush, God decided to send his son to show the people of the world that he understands them. And John, who was with Jesus and wrote one of the accounts of his life, writes that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He became human. He became a man, not just to understand us, he actually did because he made us, but to let us know that he has walked in our shoes and he has seen the putt from our perspective. He's had relationships that were difficult and contentious. And he understands what it is that you are going through. And when you choose to make the long walk of empathy to understand the other person, you are reflecting the very thing that God did for you and the very thing that God did for me. And when you do this, and when we do this, we are living out the gospel message for others to see. And as you're online this week, I hope you are able to bring a little peace with you. I hope that you will be willing to do everything you can do, that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, that you would keep peace with everyone. Now, I know it is challenging and difficult, but would you keep your eyes focused on Jesus? Would you keep your heart fixed on him to remind yourself that this is exactly what he did for us? He made the long walk for you and for the other person. So maybe you can do the same thing too.
I'd love to pray for you and the relationship in your life that feels most challenging right now, maybe online or in person. That God would give you the wisdom to know when you can take a step further towards that person and the courage to actually do all that you can do to keep the peace with all people. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, Jesus and just being the ultimate example of doing all that he could do to bring peace to us and taking the long walk to, to really experience life like us and to understand us so we know that you understand us. And God, thank you for this story from, or this example, I guess, also from Paul and the words that he wrote and the, the background behind it to help show us that we really can keep the peace with people if it is possible, as long as it depends on us, as far as it depends on us. So God, would you help us to know, would you give us the wisdom to know when that is the case, that we might need to take another step? And would you also give us the wisdom to know when maybe we don't need to take another step? So God, would you help us to know the difference between that? And God, would you also give us the courage that when we do need to take another step, when we need to do something else to try to keep peace, would you help us to actually go and do it and give us the courage and the power and the strength to do it? We ask for your help, God. We can't do this on our own. We know that we will not be successful on our own. So God, we ask that you would help us. And for those that are really struggling with a relationship, that they feel like they've done everything they can to keep peace, God, would you help them to have peace knowing that they've done what they can? And God, would you help them to trust you that if you speak to them, that they are willing to do something else, to do a little bit more. But God, help them to find peace in you because of that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.